God is good. God is good. Amen. Amen. Today is the first Sunday after Easter. And uh, uh, as I was thinking about and praying about uh, what I should share, uh, what, what I want to share this afternoon, as well as what God wants us to talk about today and look into. Um, yeah. Oh, actually, I got a few confirmations like in mis- you know, this morning, realized, realizing that I did hear the voice of God clearly. Some people are going fishing. That, that was a confirmation. Just, just, we'll see it when, when times come. Anyway, let me begin by uh, saying, I, Pastor Mimi and I and, and Pastor Jason, as well as um, Elder Susan, we came back from our press, press meeting yesterday. It was so good. You know, it's supposed to be a Presbyterian denomination, but our presbytery is so amazing. Friday night, we literally had a healing service. You don't see that in, in, in local Presbyterian churches. And we had the testimonies of people being healed and all that. And Pastor Mimi kicked off the message. She was amazing. And, and it was an amazing time. And uh, God was great. In midst of that, I think the, there are three people who shared testimonies. The last one was Pastor Keith, who is uh, who, who just uh, ended his term as a moderator. Uh, he is a great, uh, great pastor. Anyway, he shared in midst of his testimony, talked about how we need to be continually be filled, being filled with Holy Spirit, and that's part of the theme that I believe God is speaking to us today. Anyhow. I'm excited about that uh, Pastor Todd and Pastor Marty coming up in May. Uh, you, I know you do not know, but uh, me and some of, some, some, some of us in our DMB area, we've been getting gazillion text messages from Pastor Shin last three weeks. Literally, like my, my, you know, my inbox on my text messages is blowing up because, you know, and going on and on, and Pastor Shin excited and and invited everything working together ended up that we will be hosting that revival just just one connection it was 12 years ago our church had an exp- our, our own pentecost experience in our church 2007 and in a number of us experienced in a very crazy but powerful dynamic and some weird encounters holy spirit and I think since then, I think I don't think our church is the same anymore. You know, we see here and there and God's touches, but it is 12 years ago. It's just exciting for me that I believe it happened in May as well. It is happening. We're going to have another revival meeting. Uh, and in May, where I believe God, I'm expecting and asking God to come and meet us new. Fill us again with the Holy Spirit. In one of the songs, the second confirmation I had today's messages correct was one of the new songs we sang. Fountain, right? Do you have the words for the fountain? Just can you put up the first, first slide? The words were just, I will never forget the moment I met you, the moment you called my name, pulled me out of the darkness, gave me a promise to never thirst again. I love it. I, I don't know about the melody. I love the words. It was the first time I sang it. I loved, loved it because I felt like this goes right into today's message. 
And, and this, this part of things I wrote as a, my intro to today's message. I still remember when I met God, uh, when God spoke to me first in my life, almost 40 years ago, 39 years ago, and, I, and, actually, and then 38 years, the year after that, how I encountered the Holy Spirit, how, how I met God in a powerful way. And for the four, I changed my walk with God. I, I attributed that as my first filling with the Holy Spirit. Anyhow, and my thought and my prayer is that God will continue fill me with the Spirit. If you look at the scriptures in the book of Acts, being filled with the Holy Spirit wasn't just one time thing. At least five, five different times in the book of Acts, people filled with the Spirit again and again with a new empowerment, new grace, new mercy. God is good. I'm asking that God will do in our midst again and again. Not that we will, everybody will have some weird a physical manifestation, not really that, but that we will really come to know God deeper way and our, our walk with God will be strengthened, we will be empowered to live out as sons and daughters of God. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we come in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, the resurrected Lord. Not only did you forgive us our sins, took all the penalties of our sins and put it on yourself and set us free, but also you gave us life and a promise, and you gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit who lives within every believer. We thank him and we give you glory for today. We worship you this morning, this, this afternoon, God, we give you glory. Jeronia, even today, speak to us with your hearts and minds. Fill us with your grace. We want to see you. We want to encounter you. We want to touch you, God. We want to live in the reality of your resurrection. You are living God. We worship you, God. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Tied up to this message, breakfast to remember. I was in, uh, what happened? Breakfast to remember. I was sort of playing with a couple of thoughts. You know, there is a famous old movie, Breakfast at Tiffany. You know, it's in, I, think, I think 1950s, I believe, with Audrey Hepburn, I believe. Right? And also there is a, you know, walk to remember. I'm thinking about both in one. Anyway, breakfast to remember. Any, anyhow, uh, I think there's a verse here. Let me begin with this. Uh, in Book of Acts, chapter 1, uh, it writes in this way, uh, to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking of the things concerning the kingdom of God. Speaking about after the resurrection, Jesus spent 40 days showing the disciples and manifesting his glory, letting them know it, and clearly proving to them that he has is resurrected. And um, one, of those, one of those accounts is today's story. Very interestingly, you, you'll find in the four Gospels, after Jesus' resurrection, he spent there are three of the well-known accounts. Some of the accounts after resurrection are when Jesus is restoring, restoring people. You know the story about two men, two followers of Christ, walking away on the day of resurrection, discouraged because they misunderstood the promise of God. 
We are discouraged because when they saw the death of Christ, they lost all hope, walking away, how Christ came and met with them and showed them the scriptures. Their heart was restored. They were restored back to the community. They were restored back in their faith. Another story the Bible tells, tells is that one of the disciples, 12 disciples, Thomas, on the day of resurrection, he was not with other disciples. We do not know where he was, but he was not there when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And when, when and Jesus disappeared and left, and when, he, when he, Thomas came, came and the disciples are saying, we have seen the Lord. And Saint Peter, uh, Thomas says, I don't believe you. You all must be crazy. He's dead. He said, unless I put my fingers into his side and the hands, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus uh, shows and appears before them again, goes to Thomas and says, Put your fingers into my hands and my, my side, my feet. Stop doubting but be believing. He restores Thomas back and Thomas back to faith. Thomas says, my Lord, my God. There are two, two accounts where Jesus restored, restoring people. One who was a those who were discouraged because they misunderstood who Christ was. Thomas who couldn't really believe in his resurrection. The third story is about Peter and some others. I want to talk about that. Uh, breakfast to remember. This story about Peter. You know, out of all the disciples, Peter was the most uh, excitable, most passionate, most, uh, you know, uh, I don't know what to say. Most, everything is most for him. He has to be the first. He has to be the one. Each first was first to talk. First to get excited about everything, that Peter. Breakfast, remember. I want us to really cover John chapter 21, some of the stories within. I want to be a little bit of story. I want to stop and analyze a few things in the end and see what God is speaking to us. As we live as Christians, it, there are times when you get discouraged, Times when you get really um, feel like giving up. The times when things are not only tough, but you are discouraged. And those three accounts after the resurrection of Jesus speaks to those who are discouraged one or the other. How Jesus, restore, how Jesus restores them back. This is a story about Peter. Uh, and let me, I'm, I'm reading from New, New Living Translation. If you have your own Bible, you can follow along in your own translations. Today, it is important for you to have your own translations. Let's look at it together. Okay? I know most of us have NIV or NASB maybe, maybe ESB, but NLT is okay. Let me read. Today, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Galilee. This is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed twin, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I heard some of you guys going fishing right after church today. I don't know who you are, but I heard some of you going fishing. Jesus knew you were going fishing today. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. 
Now, I wish, I wish I could, we could, really, I could really hear the tone of his voice. It's not only what you say, how you say it changes everything. Is he saying, I'm going fishing? I'm excited? He said, I'm going fishing. I don't know. We will come too. You know, you know Peter was professional fisherman. But for the last three and a half years following Christ, he stopped fishing. And the Bible said when Jesus called him, he dropped everything, nets and everything, and began to follow Christ. Now, at, in, after Jesus' death and resurrection, we, we can guess, now, guess why, but he is back in Galilee and saying, I'm going fishing. The other says, we'll go, we'll, we will go too. We'll come too. So they went out in the boat. It's not, 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 it's not this kind of fishing, okay? It is this kind of fishing, okay? And throwing the nets or not. But they caught nothing all night. That's the thing. They went fishing. You know, Peter is ex-fisherman. Uh, sons of Zebedee, John and James were ex-fishermen as well. They were professional fishermen. They know what to do. And, you know, I know they're a little rusty after three and a half years, but they went fishing. They caught nothing all night long. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who it was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. I bet there's a little bit of, you know, like, no, you know, like, why, you know, that, that, you know, unpleasant response here. Then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and you will get some. So they did. It doesn't say whether they crumbled. Uh, it doesn't say whether they did it, you know, uh, quickly. or uh, It doesn't say whether they, you know, uh, reluctantly, but they, they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. I want to say, those who are going fishing, you'll catch a lot of fish today. Amen? I don't know who you're going fishing, but may you catch a lot of fish and give some to me, all right? I want to have some filet, all right? Okay. Then the disciples, the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. Probably he just had a, you know, underpants, whatever, and, you know, everything off. So he put things on, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. He's swimming. And the others stayed with the boat and pulled the boat loaded, pulled the loaded net to the shore. For they were only about 100 yards from the shore. Peter jumps in and, and swims to the sh shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. How nice, right? How nice. Jesus has breakfast ready. Not your wife or not your husband, but Jesus has breakfast ready. I, I think he does, Jesus does everything perfect, but it must be very tasty fish. Everything should be good, right? So Simon, and, and bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. 
Can you see this? It says, uh, uh, found breakfast waiting for them. He, Jesus already had fish cooking, right? And the bread. And but Jesus said, bring some of the fish you caught. And, 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 they, bring, and, and they brought it. Peter went aboard, uh, went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. I don't have time to talk about why they mentioned 153 fish were not. May, I, you know, and you, Peter goes to get the fish for Jesus to, because Jesus asked for more fish. And he's now counting fish over there. What the heck is he doing? He's counting fish, 153 fish. Stalling here. Now Jesus says, now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. Because Peter's over there stalling. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. This was the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples since he had been raised from the dead. Interesting. Very, there are a lot of nuances, a lot of symbolism in this story. And Jesus has, does, do, Jesus eats breakfast with disciples, prepares a breakfast for his disciples. And out of all the places it could be, he came to be with these seven disciples, including, including Peter, because they needed him. The story goes on. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I love you. Then feed, then feed my lamb, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my sheep. You know the story. And even about a year ago, I shared the same message out of the same text. It is a story of Peter who, I mean, you can see, you can easily see why Peter said, I'm going fishing. You see, well, you know what happened in this, you know what happened? When Jesus was betrayed and being, you know, being falsely tried six times, in the midst of all that, Peter who said, I will not forsake you, even if everybody runs away, I will not, I'll, even I will die for you. He boasted about when he was challenged by a you know, young little uh, uh, slave girl. You are, you are with Jesus. He denied three times. You know the story. You know, the, you know what happened. And when he denied three times, and, and at the time, the cock crowed the second time. Remember that how Jesus said, you are going to deny me three times today. And, and he denied Jesus three times. Scripture says he went out. And then he, his eyes locked with Jesus. He went out and cried and wept bitterly. He loved Jesus. 
Jesus was everything to him. And he followed Jesus over the years. And he, he, he never thought that he would ever deny Jesus, but he did at the most critical time. He's out there weeping. But when Jesus was resurrected, I mean, he is overjoyed that Jesus was resurrected. But still there is a feeling inside. It's not the same anymore. It cannot be the same anymore. He was, used to be the number one disciple. At least, you know, fighting for the top spot. Either John, James, or him. Right? He was one of the top three. Maybe the number one disciple. But now, he doesn't feel like that anymore. You know, there are times when we walk with Christ. We, in our own way, we disappoint him. We feel like we disappoint him. We feel like we have done wrong. And somehow we feel like our, my relationship with him is the same anymore. Can he really love me and, love me and use me again? You know, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. There are days when you feel like you're disqualified. It's not that you're just saying anything. You feel disqualified. You know, and you know, you, know, you know how? Because you don't want to look at somebody's face. When you do something wrong, you don't want to talk to somebody, look at somebody's face. You know, when your husband, you know when you do something wrong, you don't want to see your wife's face. Right, Richard? <laughs> it never happens to you, right? <laughs> Not only that, she's upset at me, I, and I don't want to face her. I don't want to say, hi, you know, it's like, because, it's like, you know. Or oh, when you do something wrong, you don't want to see your parents. Right? You, and, 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 you, know, you don't know what they will say. And your mom said, hey, Gabriel, you just assume that she knows what happened. Right? That's where we are. And Peter, Peter is, I know Jesus resurrected. Yes, oh, and amazing. All that Jesus said he would do, he would do, and he did. All the, the words he spoke came true. But Peter didn't feel that he was okay with Jesus. This is why I think he did want to go fishing. Maybe he was wondering, maybe I should, maybe I should give up following Christ. I don't think he will ever use me again. That sense. And I think this all of us have those moments, don't we? I do. And an enemy will come and say, You say you are Christian? Look at the way you behave. You don't look like a Christian. And why would God love you? Why would God ever use you? It could be big or small things, but it makes us disqualified. One of my favorite songs lately. Is a defender by Rita Springer. There's a line when, it says, when she sings, when I thought I lost me. The times when I feel like I lost myself. I feel like I lost my place. It was not somebody else. It's me. I feel like I lost me. And the line goes, you knew where I left me. I left myself somewhere. It's just so poetic. I love that line. And he said, and song goes, you reintroduce your love. And you picked up all my pieces. Put me back together. You are the defender of my heart. 
You see, resurrection is not only that God is restoring all things, but it's also restoring my hope. It's also about God restoring my relationship with him. For me, this the revival that we are doing, I don't feel like we are forced into it, but you know, I gladly embrace it. But for me, it is also, uh, for me, like another chance God is, at least I see it as another chance God is giving for us to really embrace what God has for us. Because what happened 12 years ago in our church was unusual. It is a great blessing. At the time, we didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't know how to make it and fan it or whatnot. I didn't know. And, and if, I, if I could go back, I wish that we, we, we maintained well, we, we sustained it the right way and continue loving God. And you know, not the church will grow big. That's not the point. That we will live in the fullness of spirit. We would have done a little better. I'm not saying we would have become overblown charismatic church. I'm not saying that. All I'm getting at is that you know, we, we wouldn't have, after a few months or so, everything sort of go back to as usual, sort of usual. No. And, and, and I'm, I'm really praying that God will uh, do, do it again. Not maybe the, the way it happened before. I'm not saying that we would have all the crazy manifestings. If it happens, I welcome it. We'll deal it better. And also that we will love God more. We'll, we will know how to, you know, really run with God and walk in closeness with God. You know, and, you know, was it this week? This week, Monday. I think Monday I had a lunch with somebody. Actually, I ate and she didn't eat. And she just drank some soup and, and I, but I ate. And, and I wanted to encourage her because she was not feeling well and took off for lunch. And couldn't eat, so she only drank soup, and I ate everything else. <laughs> but I didn't know until when I talked with her uh, at the time that, you know, and, you know, and, uh, and she talked about how when, when we went to a conference, you know, about three months ago, she received tongue. I didn't know that. You know, and, and how she experienced Holy Spirit in a, a new way. I didn't know that. And, and it was really encouraged me. And the point I'm getting at is that um, I want us to really, the this life in the Holy Spirit be normal for all of us. I don't want it to be an event that happens once here and once there. No, I want us to live in the Spirit of God and fullness of God in normal life. Doesn't mean you have to manifest or not. Manifest or not. The point is that we live awareness that God is with me in our work, at our home, and all that we do. Anyhow, let me go back to the story. So where was I? Yeah, the P Simon Peter felt like he lost everything, and he was not feeling it anymore. He felt like if Jesus really had heart to heart talk with him, he, he, you would expect Jesus to say, what happened? Didn't I tell you you're going to do this? What happened? I thought he was expecting Jesus to say, be at least stern over him. So he said, I'm going fishing. And everybody said, well, we go fishing with you. You know, and, 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 and there's a story in the midst of stories that they went fishing, they caught nothing. And, and you know, when early in the morning, you know, and, and they caught nothing. And, and you see somebody standing by the lake, in you know, a lake, 
and says, throw your net on the right hand side. As they throw, they caught a lot of fish. You see, something is going on here. As Yogi Berra would say, it's deja vu all, all, all over again. You see, when, Pete, when Jesus called Peter to follow him and James and John to follow him, many, many, three and a half years ago, when he called him to, well, called him to follow Christ, that's the experience they had. They caught fish nothing all night long. Jesus got on the boat and Jesus said, throw your net on the side. And then they caught a lot of fish. Jesus reminding him, remember when I called you. When I, you remember when I called you and be my disciple. Jesus reminding them, him about this. This is why John remembered it was, that's Jesus. There must be Jesus. Deja vu all over again. And, you know, and, and then, you know, the, as we read the story that just, when they come, come to the lake, come to the seashore and has a breakfast, there's a thing that I want to highlight. It's in the verse it says, when they came out, there's, there's a breakfast waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. Even a little detail like that, charcoal fire. Why is a charcoal fire important? Because when, the, when Peter was denying Christ and the night, he was in the courtyard of the, the high priest warming himself by the charcoal fire. It says, the detail says, he was warming by the charcoal fire. And Jesus intentionally was cooking fish over the charcoal fire. I, I, mean, I, don't, see, I don't think it's a coincidence. It is really a, Jesus is really driving home. You think you lost yourself. You think you disqualify yourself. Jesus is reminding him what, what things happened, how I called you, how you failed and all those. He is, Jesus is going like a surgeon, step by step, really doing a surgery in him to restore him back. Jesus said, like, come and have breakfast with me. I love breakfast. You know, some of you who join me sometimes in the morning, you know, I love to go have breakfast with, with, with you guys. And, and, and some of you have done that. You know, if you ever join me in morning, but you know, your, my, 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 your, your, your brownie points go up by thousands. <laughs> you know, you are in my favorite list. If you show up one morning prayer with me, you, you, you have, your, your brownie points are like 11,000. All right? You go twice, it'll be a million. Okay? Anyway, just having breakfast with them. You have to understand, after his resurrection, he didn't appear to disciples every day. No, he appeared to them in selective ways, selective times. There's reason why Jesus has done that. But he chose his time to breakfast with them. Now, this is important. I, I need to spend a little bit in this passage. This is why I want you to look at the versions. Do you love me? Remember, Jesus says to ask three times, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, I love you. I intentionally use a different font. And we're not to make a point here. Because in Greek, the word is used differently. Let me, let me go on. It says, it says in the NLT version, like any other version, it says, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? The word is used, love is agape. 
agape. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. He used a different word for love. The word is phileo, not fillet fish, phileo, okay? Now, I need to say something here because even last year I shared this message uh, and, and I now today have a different perspective. And I, you know, and I think uh, generally often you heard in the church many times people saying agape is God, God's love, unconditional love. That's what you heard. Usually you heard that phileo means a more human love, brotherly love, human love. Actually, as I study the Bible again, that's not quite true. It's not quite true. That word both agape and phileo is interchangeably used many times. God's love for people also used both agape as well as phileo. And, 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 and they, I mean, you know, everywhere has a you know, the range of meanings, right? A lot of range of the meanings for both agape and uh, phileo actually interchangeable. Anyway, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm, I'm ahead of myself. Jesus asked Peter, first of all, do you love me more than these? It's, what does these mean? You know, and, and, you know, probably I think he, what he means, he, he's saying more than, do you love me more than all the fishing or not? Probably he's saying what he's asking, do you, do you love me more than these disciples? Because a few days ago he said, even if everybody runs away from you, I will not. I will even die for you. Jesus, he, Peter boasted, I, will, I love you more than anybody else. He was saying, do you love me more than these? Peter probably is a little more uh, uh, humble, sheepish. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He's not like, yes, Lord, I not, not that. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. A little more gentle, not as boisterous before. Let me go on. Uh, second here, Jesus asked second time. You notice if he, second time he takes the word, prays out, do you love me more? Not more than these. He just says, do you love me? Right? And this is where he highlights the word, do you love me? I got power me. And Peter says, yes, no, you know I phileo you. Look at another translation. Disciples, literal New Testament. I bet you have never heard of the translation. He said, Jesus says to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you devotedly love me? He says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I affectionately love you. They try to distinguish the love in two different ways. And, you know, because they, somehow there's an interplay of word. One is, she said, do you love me? I got power me. And he responds by saying, I feel you. There must be reason why they use different words. And he says to him, be shepherding my sheep. Another translation, kingdom, New Testament, says, Simon, son of John, and said Jesus again for a second time, do you love me? Yes, master, he said, you know I am your friend. They try to understand, make the meaning of the word Peter used a little differently. Well then, he said, look after my sheep. Another translation says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Here, Jesus 
And Peter has interplay. Jesus says, do you love me? Agape me, agapao me. Peter says, I flew you. Now, really, the translation is all different, and you're trying to make, make uh, sense out of it. I think the way I always saw until today was Jesus saying, do you really love me unconditionally? And Peter is saying, no, I love you maybe a little less, like a friend. But I think that translation, the interpretation is, I, th- I think, not as good as what I want to share now. I, when I study the word of God, word agape was used both God's love to us and our love to God. But also phileo, phileo is used as God's love to us and our love to God as well. But little, little just you know, it's, it often is synonymously used. It can be interchangeable, but maybe one of the difference maybe, uh, and, and, uh, mainly in the time of New Testament, the normal word for love was agape. It really meant will chosen, you know, something that I, by will, I choose to love somebody. Where phileo love actually might be a little more descriptive, even more powerful. Huh? Yeah, a little more powerful, more descriptive. It usually has a meaning of I have personal investment, personal connection with you. You know, you know I always say this, you know, you, know, you know I say this all the time. You know that God loves you. Right? I said, do you know that God loves you? And I, you know, I said, you know, you say, yeah, of course God loves me because he's God, he loves everyone. But I always ask you, does God like you? Does God like you? That's really, people get always stumped by that. I know he's supposed to love me, but does he like me? Like is a preference. You know, whenever the Bible says, love God, love others, love even enemies, use the word agape. Agape is never used to say, love, love your enemy. No. Agape has, no, no, phileo has a meaning of feelings, emotions built into it. You know what I'm getting at? It will say you need to love even your enemies, agape, as a, like a duty, as an obligation, caring for people as regardless of your feelings. But phileo does have extra thing in it. Do you really love me? You're feeling involved. Are you connected to me in that sense? This makes more sense. When Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, I love you. But you know I love you. I, mean, like I adore you a little more than just to love you. You know I love you with the feelings. That's why the other translation said, do you have affection for me? Do you have affection and love for me? Not just a duty love, which we should. Do you love me? Peter says, yes, I do. Totally different translation, interpretation, right? Than what you usually heard. So, because Jesus, you know, Jesus said, love your enemies. He didn't say you have to like your enemies. He didn't say you need to love your enemies with feelings. You need to love them and take care of them what they needed. Right? But here, when it's, you know, Peter is responding, I feel you. Of course I love you, Jesus. But also I love you with my feelings. My connection in this sense. You know the word, people always use the word Philadelphia. Think it's made of two words, love and city. There's no city in there. Phil, Philadelphia, the way the two words, Phil and then Adelphia. Both is, Phil is from Phileo, that, you know, the brotherly love. And Adelphia is a brother. Brotherly love. Both is love, love. It's not city of love, brotherly love. It actually, so 
Meaning, I'm talking to really, why is this important? I don't know. Because, because often I think we assume things, and we need to make sure it's true. But here I think the scriptures really, and they're, play, they're really saying this. Most translation, translations in the Bible, NIV and NASB will not say, you know what, you know, you know, agape or you know, uh, phileo is interchangeable. That's why they just translated love. They didn't differentiate it. But, I think, but they did use two different words. What are, what's the point? I think Peter is saying, Jesus, I, you know I love you. It's more than just, he's not Jesus, when Jesus asked third time, right? When he asked for third time, let me just read this, okay. Gieka's, one of the well, well-known uh, Bible scholars says, although it is doubtless true that entire range of agapao and the entire range of uh, phileo are not exactly the same, nevertheless they en- enjoy substantial Overlap. What I'm, it's what I'm, what I'm saying this. And anyway, anyhow. Now, third time when Jesus asked Peter, and the third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a second time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. I'll just go on. Um, when he just asked a third time, Peter was really hurt. Because he, he knew, you know, I, I knew by this time he knew why Jesus, he knew Jesus was asking three times. You thought you were boasted that you would love more than everybody else, you would even die for me. I know you did fail. I know you did fail. But at this time, the question is, do you love me? It's not you did wrong, repent. No. I know you, I understand. But I'm asking you right now, do you still love me? Peter said, yes, Jesus, I love you. Jesus restoring him back. Restoring, you know, his denial of Christ. One, 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 you know, three, four, three. Three denials, three affirmations. Jesus, you know, and Peter said, I love you, Jesus. You know I love you. You know everything. You know I love you. Jesus restoring him like a master, master. A surgeon going in and taking things out. Why? Because Jesus is throwing him back. When he felt like he was disqualified, Jesus bringing him back to his first love. Remember when I called you? I'm doing the same thing to you. I'm calling you all over, all over again. Question is, do you still love me? Next verse is, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and went wherever you want to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus is saying, you know, you're going to die for me. And Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus told him, follow me. I know you failed, but my love for you hasn't changed. My calling for you has not changed. He's restoring him back, restoring him back fully. There are times we all struggle as Christians. And to the point where I feel like, does God, does, does, can God still use me? I don't know, over the years, over the years, many, many Christians struggle. And many, even many Christians experience divorce. 
And for a long time, people thought, if I do it, if I have a divorce or not, God can no ever use me. I know even now, some churches talk about, like, if a pastor has a marriage failure and get divorced, can they be a pastor again? And people talk about those things. And, and so often we feel disqualified. People say, you are not good enough. What does Jesus say? Do you love me? We all fail. Do you love me? He restores them back. Restores them back. When you feel like we have lost ourselves, at the resurrection, Jesus comes and says, you know, and after resurrection, first thing Jesus was go after those who feel disqualified, those who are discouraged, and brings them back. I want you to know He is our God. When you feel like you have you have lost your way. You feel like you took wrong choices, made bad choices, and messed up all things. Jesus says, no. You can, nothing can separate me, my love for, for you. My calling is still stands. Will you follow me? Follow me, he says. You know, and I struggle with things. But I'm not going to my struggles today. But anyway, I, I struggle with things just as you all do, we all do in some our own ways. You know, and, uh, and we do. And, and there are times you feel like, I feel like, God, what am I doing? How can, how, how, how can this be? And this is when I say, God, I need you more. Where they didn't walk away. You see, all three cases, you know, those two on the road and Maris, as a, Thomas and even Peter, they, when they feel like this, this could, they all walk away from the community. No, you draw closer again, closer to community, closer to God. Do not walk away. Come closer. He'll bring you, he'll bring you back in. Resurrection speaks of God renewing all things, making all things new, restoring all things, bringing our hearts back, bring our, uh, reminding us, how he chose us, how he loves us. I don't know if you are in the place or not. Maybe you sometimes thought about it. God, can you still use me? Of course. He says, look at me. Look to me. Didn't Jesus teach us to say, forgive 70 times 7? If Jesus taught us to forgive that much, how much more would God? If God taught us to love even our enemies, how much more would does God love us? His calling in our life is irrevocable. God does not take back his calling in our life. He strengthens it. This is why Apostle Paul says, he who started a good work with me will perfect it until the day of Christ. It is not in my own hand. It is God who is strengthening me, who walking through me, who will make all the promise God has given me to be fulfilled in my life. Amen? Amen. This is why I like the first, the song, the first first. First screen, God reminds the promise God has given me. He restores and he fulfills all those things in me again. Our God is good. I want you to know today, do not listen to the, the lies of the enemy that says, you are no good, you are not, cannot be used by, again, by God again, you are disqualified. Do not listen to the enemy. God, our Lord, our God says, no. You are always welcomed. Draw near. He restores us. And even uses even our, our 
failures and our struggles for his glory and honor. Amen? Amen. God is good. Final, final uh, slide that I found. Google, okay? I need, I need to give a credit. I don't know who made it up. It doesn't say who, but uh, yes, Jesus forgives, restores, and calls again. Restore the calling in our life. Some of you need to come to a breakfast with Jesus. He's inviting you to come, have breakfast with me. Come, have breakfast with me. Okay? Sit with me. Look right into my eyes. He says, what does my eye tell you? Jesus says, does it just look like an eye that rejects you? He is the one who prepared the fish and the, bre- and the bread and the breakfast to a fallen disciple. No condemnation here. But he, he, he knows you have failed, but he restores them back. That's how I call it so stand.